Hey, folks, I'm Tom. And this is Keith. And uh, you should know that by now if you're listening to this very program. We talk a lot about the Dunlap Champions Club. Often it has to do with football season, but the season is over. It's in the rearview mirror. But very important note here, don't put the Dunlap Champions Club in the rearview mirror. One of Tallahassee's largest event spaces, the Champions Club is quickly becoming the go-to place for charity functions, meetings, and events located on the fourth floor. Champions Club consists of an east area, a west area, or you can buy them featuring floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking Bobby Bowden Field, providing a spectacular view for all of your guests. We've been there. We've done it. It's worth it. Great event space. Uh, if the fourth floor doesn't suit your needs, there's also the sixth floor, whether it's the southeast terrace or the southwest terrace. Regardless of configuration uh, or number of folks, the Dunlap Champions Club, a great uh, event space and can accommodate your needs. For more information, Mr. Jones? Let's see. You should call the FSUChampionsClub.com. Excuse me. FSUChampionsClub.com do you website. Call, do you call the website or do you, you just log into you the You call the number. Oh, what's the number? The number is 644-1830 or, again, online, FSU championsclub.com he's keith i'm tom we're done broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row knowles with tom block and keith jones front row knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith back again. KJ, good to see you. We won. That was much needed. <laughs> Very much needed. It was much needed. We're going to talk basketball. We'll probably get right into basketball. Baseball practice for Florida State begins this Friday. That's always significant because people get excited about baseball. More so this year as it's Mike Martin's last year, and you'll hear an awful lot about that over the next six months. Can you say 4-0? Four, 4-0 zero? Four, zero for 11 as he tries to get back to Omaha and uh, go out on top, the uh, the chase continues. Four for eleven. That's still a pretty good batting average. We'll also talk some football as Ron Dugans is back, and maybe we'll begin with football because the black flag is flying outside the blockhouse in light of the Saints and how that finished on Sunday. It's all about the block family. Don't tell. No, it's all about my wife right now. <laughs> I can't claim I'm not a native New Orleanian, so I don't hurt the way those folks do. But as I shared with you. Judging by my wife, there's not sadness and sorrow and disappointment. There's flat-out anger. Well, I would say retribution is probably going to come into play. I, rumor has it that they may even engage in some extracurricular activities just to spite said Super Bowl. There's talk of staging a parade during the Super Bowl. There's talk of staging a music festival during the Super Bowl. All that type stuff. The only thing I could say, and I get all the arguments – it's a 60-minute game, and there were plenty of other times. Don't come up short in the red zone at the start of the game, and you're not dealing with that at the end of the game. But to put that in Florida State terms, imagine if the double pass from D.J. Matthews that was disallowed happened with 30 seconds left in that game at Miami and would have been the game-winning touchdown, and how would you be dealing with that or have dealt with it as a Florida State fan? Because that, clearly there were a lot of other things Florida State could have done better in that Miami game. But if that was in the last minute of the game, basically assured you the win, how much worse would it have been to, or tougher to swallow? Let's go all the way back, really back, way back to old school. You always take us old school. Lane Fenner. How, how different is the Florida-Florida State rivalry if that score is allowed and Florida State gets a victory way back in the 60s? I mean, I get 
the need to let the officials officiate. I get the need that the more that you review, the longer the game gets. But as technology, and this is your argument, as technology has gotten better, we are all, what, 50 million of us or however many were watching that game at that time, are in a position to see, even though we don't really understand all the rules, we understand enough that that was a foul on at least two levels, and it wasn't called in, I'm sorry, yes, Early in the game, should have scored. Yes, it's 60 minutes. But that play affected the outcome of the ball game. period, the end. you got to get it right. Speaking of NFL, since that's what we do so much here on Front Row Knowles, can we just fix the overtime rule so both teams get a shot? I like the overtime rule the way they amended it. I still think both teams need a shot. And this is not anti-Tom Brady. I'm at the point where, though I have Patriots fatigue, I have Patriots respect. Oh, no question. No question. And we had two overtime games the other day, and people always trot out the stat about whoever wins the toss is going to win, which is not true. It's really 50-50, and we saw that Sunday. The Saints won the toss and lost. Patriots won the toss and won. My point is you have this rule. It's just a simple change. Just allow both teams to have the ball. You don't have to go to the college rules. You can still play regular football if that's the theory you subscribe to. You don't have to play a full quarter if you're worried about the health and wellness of the players, but just give the other team one chance, and then after that's over. I, I like the NFL. Keith likes it. I Keith like it for the NFL, and I like, I like the college rule for the college game and for the high school game. Let's I saw talk somebody, basketball. Let's I saw, talk basketball. I saw somebody point this out on the college rules. Can we not count that as regular statistics? You get into overtime, and it counts as six touchdowns because you exactly. six or seven and So now your scoring average yeah. goes up 12 points. Or whoever the quarterback is, he threw for 10 touchdowns yeah. last week. I, yeah. No, I would it's, agree with it's that. It's a little skewed on that. I would agree with that. All right, let's talk basketball. Florida State has been struggling, to say the least. And the Fireham crowd is out, unfortunately, which is the point we always get to when the ACC season starts. And I always say you can treat it as an excuse or you can treat it as a reason, but Florida State is hurt. Phil Kofer, out of the lineup again. Terrence Mann, not nearly 100%. Trent Forrest, not nearly 100%. I don't know what's gone on with MJ Walker this year, so that may not be physical. That may be between the years, I'm not sure. But he bottom ha- line, He has been ill. He had a virus at least a couple of weeks ago. And, and around Christmas, he had an ankle one or two weeks and then a knee one or two knee. weeks. So I don't know if that's a fact. Separate MJ, the first three guys I mentioned, that's an issue. So anyway, Florida State lost a heartbreaker to Duke. We thought they would get a win at Pitt and BC, and the ACC is always tougher than you think when you get on the road. Bottom line, they get a win over Clemson. They stop the bleeding. They're at 2-4. and four. I think realistically there may be one game off where we should have expected them to be given how they opened the season with road games, Virginia and Duke. I think we'd all take 3-3 three and three right now and move forward, but they're 2-4. and four. Plus we have no memory because at this same exact spot last year, we were 2-4 and four in the ACC. Now, the difference between last year and this year is you were facing that gauntlet last year of six consecutive games against ranked opponents. And Florida State was victorious in five of those six. That I was believe. two years ago, wasn't it? Well, whenever it was. but That the, was two years ago with Isaac, and I can't keep track of it. But, but anyway, ahead. you were two and four last year. You're two and four this year. The difference is exactly what you're pointing out. Now, as a former football player and those that are, you know, question soft tissue injuries – uh, which is how Coach Ham explained Phil Kofers. He he actually has problems with both of his feet, the one that was surgically repaired earlier in the year and the one that he's had issues with going all earlier the way back to his sophomore career uh, year. And and Isaac, oh, excuse me, you're making me 
go all the way back. Uh, Trent's got a toe problem, and Terrence has got a problem. With Isaac the would look pretty good in this lineup. Oh, very right much now. so. Yeah. What we've got to remember, and and whether you like it or not, is that Coach Ham is going to go all the way to protect a player. He is overly protective of his players. I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as he's been consistent in that regard for 17 years now. That's the way he plays it. Which would mean that as you have five days off until Miami and then a week off, he probably would not play Kofor against Miami because you give him an extra 10 straight days without anything else. Very possibly. Yeah. And again, if you come from a football mentality where you're supposed to suck it up and play, you know, tape an aspirin to it and go see the doctor in the morning and put it in the hot tub or whatever the stupid slang phrases were, that's just not the way the day, the, the, the college game in basketball works, at least under Leonard Hamilton. So you can be, you can be critical of Coach Ham for holding kids out because they say, I don't feel good or whatever, but he's been consistent the entire tenure of his career doing that. Well, Forrest and Mann aren't being held out. They're just shells of themselves. But they are not practicing. Yeah. They are not practicing at the same level. And again, for our golfers out there, what happens when you don't practice your chips and your putts? You know, if you're not getting live shots during practice, what's that going to mean to your shots during the game? No, it's a valid point. We're very results-oriented, and thus the frustration comes in. That said, they got a win. Didn't necessarily look like they were going to get a win last night. David Nichols and, and Cabin Gailey off the bench were really, really big. Well, what has to happen, and, and Cabin Gailey's been doing his part, but what has to happen when you have kids that are not 100% is those kids that come in have got to either, A, play better, or you've got to give them more minutes and, and encourage them to play better. We saw Nichols come in last night and play very well, hit five threes. You saw Vassell come in and hit a big three. But what's got to happen is Nichols and Vassell and Polite, and Polite's been struggling a little bit, probably need to get more time. They probably need to play three or four or five minutes more than you're expecting, and you've got to get results out of them while these kids were I'll tell you who I thought was impressive last night was Raekwon Gray. He is unbelievably quick, and I don't mean deceivingly quick for his size. I mean his hands are quick. He stole the inbound pass. He almost stole another one at the other end, and when the ball comes down as a rebound, his hands are so quick that he's jarring that ball loose, and I think his future is bright for FSU. The other thing that he does that unfortunately um, um, Kamaji doesn't do is he's got strong hands. When he gets his hand on the ball, he and Kevin Gelly both, when, when Gray gets his hands on the ball, it ain't yours. It's now his. Yeah, well, maybe that's a better way of and, describing it. So, yeah. But what, I'm, what you're saying is also correct. He's quick to the ball, and then he's strong with the ball once he gets his hands on it. The other thing that he is, and, and maybe you disagree, I'll pick on your comment, he's deceptively quick as a big man. That drive he had coast to coast and that layup moving right to left during that ball game, that was an unbelievably I'm gifted not sure. play. I don't know what they would tell you. I'm not sure he needs to lose that much more weight. I think he's just going to get more refined. I mean, you, yeah, he could lose a little bit more weight, but couldn't we all, right? No, but I mean, <laughs> what did you look he, at me for? I, 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 there's not a mirror here. That's why. <laughs> anyway, uh, th- you're right. Whether it's Gray or the other guys, they're going to ultimately determine what this looks like we'll talk about the way the rest of the season shapes up uh before we finish up this first segment though i I was at the game last night talked briefly to david nichols afterwards because he was key to fsu's win so let's take a listen to that conversation 
David, it's just one win uh, against Clemson, but the significance feels bigger than just one win given the, the skid. So your, your takeaway from, from just how important that win was against Clemson? Um, it's just a, a gutsy effort by our guys. Uh, we had a team meeting. Uh, MJ Walker stepped up and said it's just about, it's about pride right now. Are we gonna go out and just and just give uh, give our all and give more than the other team and just play harder than the other team? And we just came out today, 18 strong, and, and got it done. Who called the team meeting, MJ? Um, no, everybody, coaches, staff. I mean, we meet. We're a pretty close team, so it's just a just a normal team meeting that we have um, before games. Do you think you've got another few days? It's kind of odd the way your schedule's gone, but you got a, a few-day break before the next one. How much can this kind of reset things? I know you're not where you want to be, but just from a mental standpoint, to maybe you can relax, breathe a little bit easier, and play a little freer. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, about building from this game and taking that into the Miami game. We had a couple uh, setbacks, and um, Coach Jones was just stressing to us it's about moving forward um, from this point on, playing with the same energy, the same passion that we did, and putting together a full 40 minutes. Energy and passion uh, is something you can control, but what you can't control is, you know, who's healthy and who's not. So how difficult has that been this year, given that, you know, you didn't have Phil, then you had him, now you haven't had him, and I know other guys are playing through aches and pains too. Um, yeah, well, we have a week off, well, almost a week before Miami, so guys can get <clears throat> a little bit healthier uh, that are banged up. But we just have an 18-strong um, mentality. Um, everybody comes into practice ready to work, and we just have that next man up. We're going to win together. It's not going to be one person or because one person isn't playing or because one person um, is hurt. We're going to win games. We're going to lose games. We're going to be 18-strong at the end of the day. Let me go a little broader, big picture with you, real quick, uh, for a couple of questions. Chicago to Albany to Tallahassee. You know, you can't. <laughs> those are tough flights to get, and it's not the normal path. So, uh, you know, how has this experience been for you so far? Um, it's been great. Um, loving it down here. Um, just great guys, uh, great fan base, teammates, coaches. Um, everything that I thought it would be when I took my visit um, hasn't been um, disappointed. Everything is pretty much how they uh, said it's going to be. Um, starting with playing in the best conference in college basketball. You're going to have a dog fight night in and night out, and anybody can beat anybody. Yeah, I'm sure that's something you dreamed in. So now that you've been in it and you're six games into it, it's as good as advertised? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you're going to get everybody's best shot. Um, uh, we had a, a pretty high ranking. We had a target on our back, and guys were coming at us. So we, we're going to get every team's best shot. We're not surprising anybody. We're not sneaking up on anybody. I know you're a good student, too, and, and had a real good GPA at Albany. I think you're in the sport management master's program now. So though you will play basketball for a long time, whenever that's done, it, it seems like maybe something in the sports field might be what interests you. So what are you thinking? Uh, I definitely want to get into, um, into coaching. That uh, interests me a lot. Um, athletic administration in general interests me, and that's a, another big part of why I came here. Uh, they have the number one sports uh, management program in the country, so that was that was huge for me, knowing that I can come play in the best conference in college basketball and then major in something that I'm passionate about. A lot of work left to be done. Enjoy the rest of the ride. Thank you. David Nichols last night after the win over Clemson, he's certainly been a, a welcome addition to Florida State and has provided, I think, more offense than what people realized he was going to do based on the way he started. He remember the first eight or ten games, not as much of a Well, factor. he started the year 0 for 10 from three, and now he's hitting at about a 38 to 39% clip. As I mentioned earlier, had five made threes last night. Two things about him. Number one that our fans may not know about is last night was his 100th college basketball game. 
I mean, he was a regular starter at Albany for a long time. Number two, he's approaching 1,100 career points. That's the same number of points as Terrence Mann. So when you start looking at the two of them, I now look at them a little differently because I've got David easing up in terms of importance right there where Terrence Mann is in terms of experience and productivity. All right, Keith, pull out your uh, rock and chisel and mark this date down. March 9th, because it's two days before my birthday, uh, but more specifically in this context, because that's the date of the third annual Tallahassee Wine Mixer, which uh, Madison Social, Centrale, Township, all our friends there uh, coordinate each and every year. Uh, I missed last year, but I did go the first year. So March 9th, 5 to 9, tickets on sale now, and we appreciate their are you Are you support. red or white, man? Um, whatever's closest. No, generally, generally, <laughs> generally red, generally red. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk some baseball. We are just getting warmed up here on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, my calendar says January, Keith, but uh, amazingly... Baseball practice officially begins later this week for Florida State. And as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, we say hello to a longtime friend in Mike Martin, Jr. Meet, it's your time of year. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Tom. It's uh, hard to believe, but ready or not, here we come again. Does it feel you're going to get tired of asking this or answering this question? And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've already been asked it a bunch. But, I mean, this is the last go-round for 11. So does does he seem different to you? Does anything seem different, uh, you know, for your old man? Uh, I guess uh, and I say that in an endearing fashion, 11, if you're listening. But uh, what's different as he gets ready for the last go-round? Oh, there's nothing different. You know, it's business as usual. He's uh, still out doing his thing, working with the infielders and, you know, uh, coaching every aspect, of, you know, defensively for that matter. And, uh who still has the energy and the passion for it, and um, really and truly, there, there there hasn't been a change, you know, whatsoever. Meet before we get into this year's squad, a big pitcher, well, not a big pitcher, an in-pitcher question. We see sometimes when folks have been around as long as your dad has, 40 years at Florida State, that when they go to a park or to a ball field for the last time, they get gifts or they get recognized or anything. Has anybody reached out to you early to say, uh, well, you know, what, what, what they want to do or might want to do for Coach when he uh, visits their place for the last time or something of that nature? Yeah, Chip handles all that. And he jokingly said the other day that um, with all the stuff that he's hearing from other schools, um, we're going to have to get a bigger plane, at least on the return <laughs> trip. Uh, take care of all these rocking chairs and everything else they're planning on giving him. And, uh, you know, it will be neat, to you know, for his last go-round to go to different ballparks and, and, and see, you know, for the last time and the, the fans and, of course, everybody's competitive and all that. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings and 
it'll be it'll be good. It'll be good for the guys to see it, and you know, uh, just the way it's supposed to be. Well, I'm going to do to eleven what my my uh, oldest daughter did to me. I turned sixty a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Her gift to me, uh-huh. she didn't actually buy it, but she she screenshot a Walker from Amazon and sent it to me. So maybe Tom and I will show up at the last home game and we'll present 11 with a walker or something. I'll let you handle that, Keith. Just re-gift it. That's one of the greatest things to do is re-gift. Understood. Understood. The the problem is he needs the walker, Meat. That's the problem. All right, uh, we didn't have you on to talk about uh, uh, just about 11 here. Let's talk about this this Seminole baseball team because uh, – you know, I think there's a there's a lot of reason to be excited for it, and and we can start with the pitching, or we can start with the with the young pups. So wherever you want to go with that, but uh, what what are you intrigued by as you get ready to officially start practice? Well, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Um, you know, offensively, we're going to have a lot of new faces out there, uh, but my gosh, are they talented? And um, you know, we're probably going to run out four or five freshmen every day in the lineup, and uh, you combine that with uh, experience starting pitching. You know, it does, you know, make you sleep well at night as a coach. Uh, anytime you can trot out a one-two punch of, you know, Drew Parrish and uh, Van Eyck, uh, you got to feel good about yourselves on Friday and Saturday night and getting off to a good start in the series. And, um, you know, these young guys that are in, they've, uh, they're have they very athletic and they, they have uh, a lot of power. And um, that's kind of this, this day and age, that's what you're looking for. You know, you look at you know, strikeout numbers are up and, and pitchers are throwing – you know, 100 miles an hour, and it's hard to string together, you know, a lot of hits in a row and the whole bunting thing. You know, you really don't produce runs that way. You want guys that have power, and we feel like we're going to, you know, produce a lot of power offensively. You know, I you talk about some of the young guys, but but how about Mendoza? Because I, I feel like he still has just scratched the service in terms of what he's done, and he's had some injuries during his during his time. But but how is he right now as you gear up for this year? And what what's realistic for what he can do? Oh, the sky's the limit. You know, I, I, I want him to be a 350 guy and hit 16 to 20 home runs, and I really believe he can do that. Um, he's finally healthy. You're right. He's had just a barrage of injuries over the first two years, crazy stuff, you know, but he'll play through. But, um, you know, it, it hampers you. Your hands are so important. It always seems to be a jam finger, a busted thumb, or whatever with him. It's It's, it's been a – you know, a bunch of different things that he's had to battle through. And I do expect, a, you know, an All-American type season out of him. Meet your clubs, particularly the last couple of three years, have, have proven to be very patient at the plate. Uh, you've been amongst the nation's leaders in walks and that type of thing. You mentioned the young guys and some of the young guys with power. Will, will you change your philosophy any at all or maybe tweak it a little bit where these kids are, are swinging on some things that normally they would take because they can drive the ball the way they do? Yeah, you, you do. You always want to, you know, be able to adapt to your personnel. And, um, you know, I do like to have a couple of, you know, Quincy Neoportis in there sprinkled through that, um, you know, really don't take pitches uh, that are ready to go, that don't like to see it. And, and most guys do like to see more pitches uh, than than not. So, um, but I do have a couple uh, young pups that, uh, you know, we will do something early. Uh, yes, I do want them to make solid decisions to do things that make sense when it comes to pitch selection. But at the same time, you know, you're right. When you have guys with power, you know, you don't want them hitting with two strikes. Well, hopefully this isn't one and the same in terms of questions meet because I'm, I, you don't have to tip your hand on, uh, you know, who you're going to let uh, hack away up there, but who are the young pups that have you excited in terms of their power? I mean, I know one of them is a guy you found late in the process last year that I think was 
committed to LSU and then everybody came back for LSU and so he sort of opened up his recruitment uh and and is that Cabell that I'm thinking of there or do I have that wrong yeah Elijah Cabell correct tell us a little bit about and, him and he does he, he, he guys he has power that um you hadn't seen since probably Buster and Buster used the old bat so it's I really believe that this guy has as much right-handed power as uh, we've had in this program in a long, long time. Uh, he's very athletic, outfielder, can play all three outfield positions. Um, he's got light tower power. you got uh, Robbie Martin is another outfielder, freshman, left-handed hitter. Uh, hit a couple of home runs in um, one of our fall uh, ball games against Jacksonville, both of them to the opposite field. He's got power. He's going to be in the mix. Um, you got Matt Nelson. You know, catcher is just steady across the board. Doesn't do anything great, but there's power in there. Um, and defensively, he's as you know, plug and play as you can find for a high school kid. And, uh, of course, Nander Desadas, the shortstop that uh, was highly touted. He's got some work to do with the bat, but defensively, uh, it, it's really uh, dynamic out there. And uh, he's going to really help playing short. We'll slide Salvatore over to second, which is probably his pro position anyhow. And uh, really kind of makes us feel good to have those guys up the middle. Meet, you talked about the starting pitching. Uh, fans always want to know who's the closer and, and, and what's he bring to the plate. What, what's, your, what's your time frame for deciding that, and who are the candidates for that? Well, we've got a couple guys. Uh, right, The leader right now is Chase Haney. Chase came back from Tommy John. A lot of people have forgotten about him. We you know, used him 35 times his sophomore year, and then uh, – you know, he blew out his arm and, you know, took a year off, rehabbed it. And back when we used him 35 times, he was, you know, 83, 84. And it's amazing how it works. And sometimes, uh, for the most part, it, it generally does work this way. But guys come back going harder after Tommy John and Chase is, uh, is one of those guys. He's now 88 to 90. And uh, it's, it's really nasty from the side coming from a, you know, six foot six, you know, guy like him. And of course, the slider's still there. So he's probably the leader. Tyler Ahorn. Ahern has really turned the corner. He's always been the guy, you know, with the big arm. He's 93 to 96. Uh, but the breaking ball was never really there, and the command wasn't there. But he worked his tail off this summer. Uh, Coach Keller has done a great job with him, and, and we trust him a lot more, you know, coming in and throwing strikes. So those are our two, you know, main guys. And, of course, you know, the third starter, we talked about Parrish and Van Ike and, you know, Pollock, Austin Pollock, left-hander from here in town. Uh, he's in the mix for the third spot as well as uh, Kyle McMullen and uh, we could start Jonas Scalaro you know guys like that that uh, have gotten their feet wet uh, over the you know, last few years Meet you referenced one of those fall games against JU what did you think of uh, the exhibition games and, and adding that wrinkle did you like it uh, oh absolutely loved it um, I think everybody you know really enjoyed it because he gets old you know in her squad and over and over and over and playing somebody with a different jersey even though it is the fall, um, you know, of course, to find out who likes to compete, who shies away from competition, uh, you know, I think it benefits everybody. Big picture here, college baseball, because that's a tweak they made, and the game continues to grow in popularity. I mean, especially here in the South, everybody knows that as strong as the ACC and the SEC have been. What does college baseball need to do? What What's another step or steps that it can take to continue to grow in, in popularity or just tweak the game, in your opinion? Well, I, th- I think, number one, we have to stop regionalizing postseason. Um, you know, they don't do it in basketball and women's basketball. I think it's important that um, you shouldn't be punished. You know, even though you have a great season, regular season, you get punished for living in an 
uh, you know, and it being in an area that um, you know has a lot of good baseball teams, and they can put people, other teams, on buses versus flying them. I think we need to do it, you know, the March Madness style, and you know, rank them one to sixty-four, however you want to do it. But you know, put people on planes, and, uh, and then of course the scholarship issue. We, we've got to do something. I mean, I think it's uh, pretty. You know, out there now, the 11.7 scholarships for 27 players with a 25% minimum. Uh, they're the, we're the only you know sport in which they do that, and uh, it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I think those are the two main issues there. You know, I, I don't know that everybody's familiar with that 11.7, but to extrapolate that out. Obviously, don't name names here, but how do you guys allocate that? I mean, is there uh, one guy, you know, I'll name a name because he's not here, but like a buster, is that a guy who might get 100% and then you're working with 10.7? Or are you normally, most of the guys are on 25% scholarship? Or how do you split that up? Yeah, there there is no full scholarships. We don't, we don't do that. Even buster wasn't on a full scholarship. I mean, he was by his junior year. See, you can upgrade as you go. And what you, basically everybody's going to come in their first year on the same amount. It's going to be anywhere from, you know, 25% to 40%. And then after that, after the, you know, the year and how well they do in the classroom and how good a teammate they are, you know, you can upgrade guys as they go. Um, but nobody, nobody's going to be on a full ride. I mean, anybody that does that is, they may have a couple of good players, but they're not going to win a whole lot of games. Is the heart of the issue, and we don't have time to get into this or solve all this right now, but if you're talking about increasing that, is the heart of the issue really that uh, you'd kind of create a power five, if you will, in college baseball instead of having however many teams play right now on what what you would deem an equal playing field because some of the smaller schools just couldn't afford to fund it if you went to, I, I don't know how many, you know, 20 scholarships or whatever number you think is the right number? Yeah, it's as always money. Uh, I think there's so many schools you know up north that and there are a lot of them that people don't realize they play baseball but they can't afford you know whether it's wooden bats or um you know more scholarships um so i don't i don't you know and again are we going to break away and do our own thing power five I, you know there's a lot of rumors flying about that um but they, they need to do something because um we would get a lot more kids um you know involved in baseball and you know the game would become more popular if they knew growing up that they had a chance to get a, you know, a scholarship in which their family didn't have to, you know, fork out five to ten thousand dollars for them to go to school, the, the more kids would play it. And uh, I think we really need to look at it. You're not in the year yet, Nimit, so I don't know how this will play out. But I'm just wondering, uh, in the back of your mind, have you processed uh, uh, along with Coach Keller? You know, how, how do we manage the expectations of this being uh, your dad's last year, Levin's last year, and, and we got to get him, we got to get him to Omaha, and we got to get him a title. Uh, I mean, I think you know, taking every day as a chance to get better um, is the way you do it. We're not, you know, playing for you know anything other than you know the university that we love. I mean, of course, we all love Eleven, what he's done, and. But that added, you know, stress and pressure isn't isn't helpful. We just got to come out every day. We got a talented group. Everybody knows that. Uh, guys have to know their roles, accept their roles, and um, you know, everybody pulling in the same direction. I think, you know, will en- enable us to achieve those goals. We just can't, you know, deviate. And mind starts wandering as the draft gets closer, and uh, guys complaining about this, that, the other when you know playing time and. Uh, I think all those things combined together makes for you know a good season, and we do expect to have a good season, a really good season. 
We do as well. Of course, the the bar has been set that way, so everybody always expects that meat. Enjoy it. Uh, you know, I know they'll. Your name will be talked about a lot for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, when the end gets closer here, but uh, enjoy the last season of being on your dad's staff because I, you know, you refer to him as eleven, and and sometimes I think we lose track of the fact that it's been a father son thing that not everybody gets to enjoy the way you guys have over the years. Well, there's no question. I do appreciate you saying that. Uh, one of these days, days, you know, things will slow down. We'll appreciate and look back, but uh, you know, we've got a job to do. And, and like I said, it's business as usual, and we're grinding away, and we're excited for the season. All right, mate. We'll see you out at the park. Okay, guys. Take care. Thanks, mate. Mike Martin Jr. FSU uh, officially starts practice on Friday. You know, they have. The, I don't even know the exact rules it's something like you can you can meet a couple times a week leading up to this but only four players can be out there at a time or something bizarre like that so you get full squad practice starting on friday well it's it's another one of those things that make you go hmm in that it's one of those eight arcane rules of the ncaa which goes back to the 11.7 and then what what sense does it make that you got 27 kids probably carrying 35 when everything's said and done and only three or four of them can work out at a time or whatever the rule is yeah just doesn't make sense Kind of like our show often, right? That's why we have Tim Linnefeld on deck to try and make sense of all this. We'll get Tim's opinion. He was at the game last night. We haven't talked football yet or the fact that Ron Dugans has now been officially introduced or announced uh, as part of the staff. So we'll do that uh, when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Welcome to the jungle. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. A little more basketball music. Tim's not being very creative of late. He just wants to fire up every basketball tune we know. So that's what we're doing. And why not? Anytime you beat Clemson, even if it is basketball, you take it, right? Florida State needed this win. We uh, fire up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline once more. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, you never apologize for a win. That's the rule if you're in, in athletics. Doesn't matter who it's against or how it looked. You take it and you move on. Is that right? Absolutely no. I I, I think it, when particularly when uh, you know you're on a three game losing streak and, and you need a win, uh, I don't think there's anything to apologize for. And look, you know, I understand that there were some aspects of that game that, that particularly in the first half, weren't always aesthetically pleasing. But you know, the big box I think that that Florida State checked off against Clemson was that they shot really well. I mean, I think it was ten of twenty two from three. Seven different players made a three pointer. Um, you know, the, I think the, the the big red flag over the last few weeks when the, when the team wasn't performing up to expectation is that they weren't shooting well. They didn't actually go out and shoot well against an ACC opponent. Uh, to me, it was a pretty encouraging sign. Well, to echo that and to put uh, actual numbers to it, only because I remember, and about five hours from now, I'll forget because that 26-, 28-hour rule comes into play. FSU was shooting 24% from three land in ACC games. They made five yeah. of their first six threes by five different players and that was very very encouraging and for the game seven different hit a three yeah Yeah. go ahead tim 
Well, and then you think about, you know, who was making them. You know, Terrence Mann. When you, anytime you have seven guys, of course, there's going to be a pretty broadcast characters. But, you know, Terrence Mann, uh, not traditionally thought of as a three-point shooter, hits one. Raekwon Gray, uh, who is uh, listed uh, you know, generously um, at, uh, I think, 6'2", 260 pounds. Um, you know, Devin Vassell, the freshman, who hits the uh, the three to give Florida State the lead in the second half. I mean, they got him. You know, with Phil Kofer being out there, they have to find it from different places. And, you know, at least last night they got it. So now next up is Miami, and uh, we'll move on from hoops for now, but that's a big game at Miami. I mean, if you can get that and you're at three and four and you get a week off, we'll see when Kofer gets back or how much healthier Forrest and, and Mann can get. But uh, to me, I, I, I misspoke on Rick Gray, by the way. He's definitely not 6'2. He's way taller than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, Keith and I talked about him earlier, though. I, I like his game a lot. He is quick and, as Keith pointed out, really strong hands. Uh, I mean, he just, he's like the, he's a nuisance, is what he is if he's around you because he can pry the ball free. Well, how about the the play he made driving to the basket last night? Where he's, you know, dri- going to his left and he's switching hands on the dribble and going up. I mean, he, uh, yeah, if he, for for a guy his size, I mean, he was really kind of moving and, and showed a nice touch. Yeah, I agree. Then he stole that inbound pass. I mean, it, it was good stuff. We said at the beginning of the year, or I, I said, I think we talked about, you know, the non-conference was so good that people had these uh, illusions or thoughts that that was going to translate to 13- 18 and 0, 18 and 0. Yeah, or 14 and 4. I mean, I remember making the comment, look, you've done enough in the non-conference that if you go, you know, if things go great, maybe you're 11 and 7, but if you end up 9 and 9, you know, you're at 22 wins or whatever it is, and you're going to be fine. And to me, I know you don't want to. Sh- uh, on the one hand, you don't want to say let's be 500, but on the other hand, it's the ACC. And if they if they climb out of this hole and get the nine and nine or ten and eight, they're going to be fine on Selection Sunday. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I don't, I don't. You know, if, you, if you're just talking about making the tournament, I don't even necessarily think that. You know, you need to be. I think eight and ten, you'd probably feel pretty safe, particularly with what you did in the non-conference. Again, not to say that you know set the bar low, because I do think that there's going to be some winnable games uh, down the stretch, particularly once you get everybody back feeling right and healthy and and, and getting where they need to be. Um, but I mean, no. The overall look, I think had, had last night not gone well. Um, I think it would have been you know damaging, um, not because. Uh, there weren't, you know, more winnable games on the, the schedule, but it's just sort of like, you know, at some point you have to look and say, you know, uh, losing games on the road in the ACC is one thing, but, you know, playing at home where you have been, I mean, gosh, I mean, virtually unbeatable over the last two, three years, uh, it would have been, a, you know, an alarming sign for them to not come back and win that game, um, but they did. So, um, you know, to me, you know, there's still plenty of, of, of you know, reasonable expectations and goals within reach for uh, for this group and i mean i think they can finish with a, a really nice season both in the acc and and beyond and, and tim i would submit that the next uh, 10 or 11 days uh probably are going to shape this season <clears throat> pardon me given the fact you play miami on sunday a team that you've already beaten then you do not play again until the following saturday so you've got some time as it relates to some of these uh, soft tissue issues and, and toes and heels that kids are, are having problems with. If you can get past Miami and if you can use this downtime to your advantage in terms of getting healthy, that really positions you uh, to, to take on. And You're not halfway through the schedule, but nearly halfway through the ACC regular season. No, absolutely right, and you, and you really need it. I mean, think about I, I was 
it's been such a weird schedule and it, it seems sort of unbalanced. I was actually asking Trent Forrest about this the other day um, where it seems like you're either, everything's either a, a two day turnaround or a full week off, you know, like there's no just straight up, you know, Wednesday, Sunday or, or what have you, like you, you sort of gotten used to. And I think it's kind of maybe affected uh, the rhythm and the preparation a little bit, but, uh, but for sure, you know, given, you know, Leonard said last night that, that Phil Kofer, uh, his injury is not expected to be season ending. It's just something he's got to work through. Uh, we know that Terrence Mann and Trent Forrest both aren't quite a hundred percent. They are playing, but if you watch them, you can see that they're, they're kind of playing through some discomfort and some pain. Um, you know, what I, you know, the, the week off next week, uh, I think it will certainly be helpful, but even just having a few days before you go to Miami, I think is a pretty big deal for this group too. And what was the deal, Keith? Too, you know, and Leonard mentioned this after the game. You, you guys, the, the the team didn't even get back and from Boston until after midnight. So, you know, that contributes to the short turnaround as well. I, there, I, I, mean, I laid my little head down. I trip. laid my little head down at one thirty-five a.m. Monday morning is when I got back Man, to my house. And the game was at noon for people who don't remember. So right. yeah, you know, it's it's and then, and then and then to follow up, the, you know, the the basketball team has to play again in at that point less than forty-eight hours from. Uh, you know, head hitting pillow. That's a, that's a big ask, and especially for a team that's kind of feeling the grind and the and the wear and tear of the ACC schedule. So, uh, you know, having a little bit of time and some space between games, um, I, mean, I really do think comes at the right time. Okay, let's shift sports here because T- Keith and I have not talked about this at all. But Ron Dugan's officially announced uh, as uh, joining Willie Taggart's staff. Your reaction, your thoughts. I think it's a really good thing, man. I mean, you know, Ron Dugan has, has certainly established himself uh, with, as, a, as a reputation among the, the elite at uh, at his position uh, where he coaches. You know, he's not just uh, trading on his accomplishments as a former player. Uh, came up through uh, through Mark Rick's, uh, I guess, coaching tree, if you will. Which, uh, you know, as you know, you know, that was that's who his offensive coordinator was at, at Florida State. That's been sort of his guy for for much of his career. Um, but but now the opportunity to, to come back and be at Florida State, I mean, I think is a really it, it's, a, it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, those receivers at Miami, I thought were really good under him. He obviously has ties all over the state uh, of Florida uh, in, in terms of recruiting. Um, has inroads in South Florida already, which are always really valuable uh, with Florida State. And then I, you know, I think there's a guy that. Um, you know, for what it's worth, I think is invested uh, personally uh, in this program in Florida State, and, and wants to see it uh, return to the you know the, the days you know when he was playing. You know, he's a national champion receiver, and, and you know it means something to him beyond just a job. I mean, this is this is home for him, not just not just a Florida State uh, alum, but also a Tallahassee native. You know, played down the road at at FAMU High, and and you know I think has you know, maybe a little bit more uh, personal investment. And so, you know, to me, it, it seems like a natural fit. I know he's a guy that, that Florida State fans have sort had on their wish list for a while, um, you know, before just this season. Uh, and so for it to work out now, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a good situation, you know, certainly for Florida State, but, uh, but also for, for Ron Dugans, um, given the staff turnover at, at Miami. Uh, that's a pretty great, uh, pretty great situation for all involved, as far as I can tell. And, Tim, I would echo that and, and just add and reinforce some things that many of our listeners will remember. Uh, number one, uh, he's already coached for two years with, with Coach Taggart at South Florida, so not, they're, they're familiar with each other, no kidding. Right. Number two, he was coached. Taggart's first pick last year and and he chose to stay at Miami and not take the Florida State job and that's what prompted coach Taggart to have that conversation with Derek Kelly about bringing him back on the field 
where he had not been for the last couple of three years prior. Uh, and, and then and thirdly, again, the, the Tallahassee connection as well as the Florida State connection. This is where his family's from. This is where he grew up. Uh, this is all he ever wanted to do in terms of his playing. And then the last part, which I think is also very important, he played three years in the league and then he coached in the league. He's got NFL coaching experience as well as collegiate coaching experience. I think that will add a little bit uh, once he gets in and, and gets his kids working in his system. No, I, I absolutely agree, um, and, and I think you're right uh, on all points. I, mean, I do think the, the familiarity with Willie Taggart helps, and I, and I do want to say real quick, you know, uh, you know, I think it was kind of the the worst kept secret that that, uh, that Ron Dugans was certainly, um, you know, person of interest for Willie Taggart a year ago. But you know, you know, go back, you know, 12, 13, 14 months ago, and, and like I mentioned a little bit ago, I mean, um, you know, Rick, you know, Ron Dugans knew, knows Mark Rick very, very well, um, and so. You know, given his relationship with him, and and given uh, you know what what seemed to be transpiring at Miami uh, a year ago, um, you know it's it's hard to fault him for for making that choice back. Oh no, then. not at all. I Obviously, completely what a, understand. What a, what, a, what a difference a year can make, though, yep. right? Yep. So now the million dollar questions are the are these, uh, Tim? Are we expecting, or really is this? Are we expecting additional staff changes? I think so. Yeah, I really do. Um, you know, it's it's. Kind of reading the tea leaves, I I, I think there will be uh, be some changes. I, we're still not 100 percent sure uh, what David Kelly's role is, is going to be uh, because we know that that Ron Dugans has, has been announced as the wide receivers coach, but David Kelly's uh, role, whatever it will be, uh, has not been announced yet. We do know that he's going to be remaining with the program, so you're going to have to figure out, uh, you know, how that's going to work out. And then uh, I do think that uh, that Willie Tiger still has some uh, some logs uh, in the fire, so to speak, and, and some things that are, uh, I guess to say, um, you know, pending or, or waiting to be uh, worked out, but I don't think he's done. You're not done yet either because we didn't uh, didn't ask you about women's basketball. They've got a big one against Louisville t- tomorrow night. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be a tall task for Sue's team, but i got to be honest, they turned over their entire starting lineup. I mean, five senior starters a year ago basically came back with two players who had played any minutes and everybody else is new, and yet they're, what are they, 16-2 and two or something like that, 4-1 and one in the league? I mean, they, she just keeps doing it again. You're absolutely right, and, and look, I'll admit that you know I'm, I'm not as, as well-versed across the entire landscape of, of the ACC and country as I should be, but i got to think that based on what she's done, I mean, Sue Semmer has to at least be in the conversation for some conference and, and National Coach of the Year awards. I mean, this is a team that you, you looked at the roster and looked what they lost, like you were alluding to, and, and you could almost just sort of say, well, you know, this is going to be a, a, a year to, to relay the foundation. I used to rebuilding years is the cliche, and, and nobody would have blamed them or, or you really had a second thought if that had been the case, but that's far man it's, it hasn't worked out that way i mean they've beaten ranked team 16-2 four and one in the league like you said and, uh, and a huge matchup against number four louisville who only has one loss on the season which by the way is to the number one team in the country uh, notre dame but it is at home um i think this team's playing with some confidence um and you know it's look man it should be fun it should be a cool atmosphere there and, and certainly an opportunity for them to make some noise tim we appreciate your insight as always and uh we will talk to you next week all right, guys. Thank you very much. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. Keith, do you know what's coming up uh, this weekend? This weekend is probably going to be something around the old Tallahassee Mall that involves an adult beverage. It's almost like we do this at this point in the show every week. That's good. Because <laughs> I thought your memory expired after like 24 hours. It is the uh, Tallahassee Beer Festival at the Pavilion uh, at the center of Tallahassee, 2 to 5 on uh, Saturday. Proceeds benefit the United Partners for Human Services and partnering 
participating member agencies, really. So uh, there's a VIP experience that starts at uh, 1, if you so choose. Get a designated driver. We've said that a couple of times. Uh, you know, line up your Uber or whatever it is. Uh, and go have a good time. Don't forget there will be food available, the Urban Food Market, as well as Dreamland Barbecue. We'll have a quick serve line uh, so it's not just uh, the, the uh, liquid refreshment. Uh, you can uh, take it all in. And I'm expecting a big crowd, and I think it's going to be a fun, fun time. More information online at tlhbeerfestival.com. We'll step aside, come back, and we'll try to uh, tie a bow on all the various conversations we had going during this show. That's when Front Row Knowles rolls on. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, about uh, 10 minutes to go, a little less than that. Uh, KJ, where would you like to start in terms of cleaning up whatever what, damage we've inflicted? What is the statute of limitations on removing a piece of football equipment from a locker room that did not belong to you? I'm struggling to think of the exact example you're trying to reference here, but I don't know. I'll play along. Well, let's see. It occurred in uh, January 1 of 2000, so that would be at least 18 years ago. Well, before you get yourself in trouble, there's at least, uh, you know, tens if not dozens of people that listen to this show and be aware of however you're going to incriminate yourself right now. Well, I'm just going to tell a story and then bring it back and we can continue on. But I walked out of the locker room at the Superdome with uh, Paul Kennedy. He and I had been shooting some stuff uh, that we made into a one-hour special uh, to celebrate Florida State's 99 National Championship game. I walked out with Chris Winkie and, and Peter Warwick and me and Paul. And as I'm walking through the locker room to go out, I look down, and there's Ron Dugan's locker, and there's his helmet. So I picked his helmet up, and I walked out with it. And it's now sitting in my office at the Earl Bacon Agency where it's been sitting since then. So, Ronnie, if you want your helmet back, come see me, Bubba. I got it. (laughs) I was just going to suggest that this is not a statute of limitations thing from a criminal point of view. But now that you've put it out there, if you hadn't so offered, Ron would be contacting you to get his helmet back. I just hope Jimmy Calloway doesn't hear (laughs) who was the equipment manager at the time because he'll never talk to me again. Jimmy Calloway's got a museum behind his house that's got uh, all kinds of stuff dating back. He was affiliated with the very first FSU football team in 1947. Uh, And then the longtime equipment manager much more recently than that, obviously, but has all kinds of paraphernalia. I don't have any great Ron Dugan stories except that I'm old enough to know that. So let's do the math on this. So he played 95 to 99. So it probably was February of 2000, I mean, of 1995. I would have been at the Ramada Inn North when there was a signing day party because he starred at FAMU High here in town, and he and Theon Rackley mm-hmm, both mm-hmm, signed to come mm-hmm. to Florida State. It was a big deal there. 
Uh, and then obviously he went on and, and had very good success uh, at Florida State. Overshadowed by Peter Warwick, but nevertheless uh, played in the league, as you pointed out. Wish him well. Folks wanted him back home. He's back home. That's a third Noel on staff for now. So let's talk about the staff because people are still, is Greg Fry staying or going? What's the delay? Uh, Keith, you don't do it, but if you looked at social media, you'd be convinced the world was over and FSU should disband the football program. I mean, that that's how absurd some of it gets but i think i think this so some of it is perhaps contractual related i.e you've got a line coach they're trying to bring in from houston is it buyout related was he fired does fsu you know there's that sort of thing but i think beyond that related to david kelly and and some of the other potential moves it has to do with what the ncaa is going to allow can you move somebody to an an off-field coach now because he's been out recruiting uh, I would suggest if they got clearance to do that, that that's probably what would happen with David Kelly, and then the dominoes will start to fall, and you'd open up another position on the staff. Two things. Number one, I, I believe that any other and additional hires are absolutely 100% contract-related. They're working through, was the coach dismissed? Do we have to pay a buyout? Are they going to continue to be paid by the prior school and we're going to have an offset? All that stuff goes into the calculation of what the actual monies that Florida State has to come up with. And that's one of the things that David Coburn, the interim AD, has been taxed taxed with is following that and making sure of that. And I I believe personally that it's all related to the behind the scenes stuff. Um, And and, and number two, maybe. Go ahead. I don't want to. Number two. As it relates to the on the field, the off the field, the recruiting and that type of thing, one of the things that I've heard uh, that I don't – I wouldn't say is 100 percent accurate, but I would say given the NCAA, it has a chance of being accurate, is that if you, for example, take David Kelly and put him off the field because he has been recruiting and he has made contact with kids, the offset is that whoever replaces him is restricted in the amount of recruiting that they can do. So, for example, if Ron Dugans replaces Derek Kelly, David Kelly, David Kelly, excuse me, and could could go make X number of visits in calendar year nineteen, he will make something less than X number of visits in calendar year nineteen to offset the fact that Kelly was making visits prior to being removed. That sounds like a silly rule that the NCAA would have. I don't know if it's accurate, but that's another one of the stories out there that they're having to ferret through about what does that really mean. Before I completely send us down a, a never-ending path, why don't you finish your business here and then we'll finish the show. You're, you wanted me to talk about things like, oh, I don't know, safety equipment or cutting tools or chain hoist exactly, or any of those exactly. types of things. Well, obviously I'm talking about Cornerstone Tool and Fastener and you need to visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff. They've got two locations, Stuckey Avenue and Crawfordville Highway for all of your power tool needs, anything related to your do-it-yourself projects. They've been a longtime supporter of uh, Front Row Knowles and, and uh, great guys beside and you can go by and see Ron if Ron's not there, see Mark. If Mark's not there, see Chris. If Chris is not there, see Steve. If they're not there, just ask for somebody else. Maybe I'll be there. Ask for me. I show up there every now and then. What I was going to say as you were going through your explanations on the coaching delays is that maybe on signing day, we can just have assistant coaches with three hats in front of them, and they can announce if they're signing to come on with Willie Taggart. I'm being facetious. But I like obviously. the way your mind thinks. I like the way your mind It'll thinks. It'll all get worked out. There'll be there'll be a complete set of coaches. There'll be a quarterback next year when the when the season rolls out. I do want to say this related to the schedule. You know, we, we talked about the schedule last week. And, and already, and 
we've pointed this out. We're in that period where each month we build the hype, and by August we'll be convinced this team's going to be eleven and one. Everybody but Clemson. On the surface, right now, because of tr- recent tradition and success, everybody says Virginia's a much better, you know, easier opponent than Virginia Tech. I don't buy that for a second based on the fact that Virginia Tech was at home, had a lot of holes last year, and Virginia has it going in the right direction. So to automatically say that's a W, this is the game we play every year. I know Virginia lost to Virginia Tech last year, but Virginia's trajectory much better than what Virginia Tech's was, or Florida State's for that matter. This is not your grandfather's ACC. This is not the ACC that Florida State came into in the early 90s and dominated and won 77 out of 79 games or whatever that stat was uh, in league games. It's funny you would mention that since Virginia was the first team to beat FSU. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's just that's just not the way the world works right now. By the way, I was going to ask Tim, would it be um, journalistically uh, incorrect for him to have written an article last night that says Florida State defeats National Championship School? Well, no, it would have been right in line with everything else that's published, circulated on social media today, misleading, all that type stuff. (laughs) So So misleading is what you're going with. Yeah, so it would would have been perfect, I think, the way that plays out. All right, a little public service announcement here just as we finish up. The, we had Mike Martin Jr. on. If you've never gone to the Florida State uh, baseball leadoff dinner, it proceeds. They do this in college baseball because as soon as the season ends, you can't have a postseason awards banquet. Everybody goes to play summer ball. So they have their dinner, if you will, beforehand. It's it's uh, the night before the season starts this year. Keith, you and I are going to spend that night together. It's February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. But don't worry, folks. Our brides are participating as well. But yeah, you go are. to the Seminole Booster website. And, and I mention it because if you've never gone, Mike Martin's an entertaining speaker. This is the last go-round uh, if ever you're going to do it. Plus, then you don't, you can avoid the crowds and the overpriced everything on Valentine's Day. You're set, and you're talking sports, people. It's not that bad a deal. You're going to be headed at the Antique Car Museum out by I-10, so uh, parking will be easy. And uh, they're expecting an overflow crowd, so you need to get on that website, Seminoles.com, quickly and sign up for it. Okay. He's Keith. Uh, I'm Tom. I'll, I'll save the rest of the Valentine's wishes uh, for till the date draws closer. We'll talk to you again next week on Front Row Knowles. He's all right. Bobby's all right. He's a natural born boy. He's just that.